Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. I'm delighted to see you got your special invitation to our Thanksgiving get-together here at the shop. Only our favorite customers and patrons were invited, and we are glad to see you. As we celebrate Thanksgiving here at the shop a few days early, of course, we know that you have family and friends that you'll be spending Thursday with, so we thought we'd have a little get-together for those special to us here at the shop. As you see, people are gathered around the table, and the turkey... Is that turkey? Surely our shop clerk Mordecai roasted a turkey. Regardless, whatever is on the table, whether it be white meat, dark meat, all will be carved. And therein lies the essence of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and enjoy a Thanksgiving treat as we look at the new film, Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving is a movie that I've been waiting for for a long time. A lot of horror fans have been waiting for this movie for a long time, ever since... Grindhouse came out in 2007. Of course, Grindhouse had all of those uh, fake movie trailers in them. And we've now we've seen a couple of them turned into actual movies. The Danny Trejo movie Machete uh, started out as a Grindhouse fake trailer. And now Thanksgiving, which started out as a Grindhouse fake trailer, has become a movie. And I know in Thanksgiving episodes in the past, I've... I've mentioned how this is one of my favorite things to watch on Thanksgiving was that trailer. Even though it's just under three minutes long, it's still filled with all sorts of Thanksgiving horror. and felt very much that Bob Clark Black Christmas vibe, uh, a little bit of John Carpenter's Halloween uh, thrown in there for good measure. Of course, of course, Halloween inspired by Black Christmas. And, and you can see the inspiration of this movie, Thanksgiving, from from those movies. So I was really excited to find out that Eli Roth, I know they've been talking about this for a long time, but they finally got a, a feature-length film version of this movie. And, I, you know, you're going to hear a lot of people talking about it, commentators, reviewers talking about this, and comparing it to Scream and post-Scream horror. I, I didn't look at this as a Scream anything. I hear a lot about 90s this and 90s horror that. I mean, if you want to draw the most base comparisons, it is a person in a mask going around killing people. And that was the basis of a lot of horror in the 90s. Uh, Scream, I know what you did last summer. The list goes on and on. But I think a lot of people forget. I, I think some of the younger uh, commentators out there forget that that's that's was going on in the 80s as well. Now, granted, a lot of those slashers had a supernatural vibe to them or a supernatural spin to them that got a little more and a little more outlandish as the movies went on. But fuck the 90s. This movie was classic 80s slasher horror. I've heard a lot of people talking about, oh, the group of friends, they, they showed that they're friends and they have scenes where they're friends just like they did in Scream. Well, you know what? There were friends in some of the 80s horror as well that, that a lot of those directors did a really good job of creating. You know, Wes Craven did a really good job at creating a group of friends in the original A Nightmare on Elm Street. So I'm not going to get on my soapbox about Scream because I'm not a fan of the Scream franchise. I couldn't say I liked a Scream movie until the last one came out. Maybe the one just before that was okay. But this last Scream film was the first one I can say I really liked that one. So to compare this movie to Scream, to compare this to 90s horror, does this movie an injustice? I think there's a lot of people out there that think Scream is the be-all, end-all of slasher horror. And yeah, Scream was a, a fucking not great knockoff of the horror, the slashers that came before Ghostface. So I will not be comparing this to Scream. Like I said, this really draws on the roots of slasher horror with things like John Carpenter's Halloween, uh, very much so inspired by Bob Clark's Black Christmas, and took you know some of those 
great tropes and those great ideas from those movies and put it in the modern day. I think slasher films from the the mid-90s to today have become a, a little bit of a punchline. And I think that Eli Roth, for as much as I'm not a big fan of Eli Roth, I, I don't care for the torture porn of the Hostel movies. Uh, there's a couple movies of his that I, I've never watched uh, like Green Inferno. Uh, I've never watched that. I'm not sure if I want to, uh, but but I've heard, you know, some people love it, some people hate it, some people are like, it's good, but you're only going to watch it once. I intend to watch it eventually. Uh, there's another one, his version of Death Wish with Bruce Willis. I, I actually wanted to watch that, even though I'm a fan of the Charles Bronson original. Uh, I wanted to check that out and never did, but but a lot of his other movies I've seen, and I'm, I'm just not a fan of Eli Roth's style of horror. I think Probably the best thing in my mind up until now that Eli Roth did was the Eli Roth's History of Horror series. I really enjoyed that and, and listening. You know, I, I think he loves horror. I think he's, he's got a wealth of knowledge of horror. I just I have not been a fan of some of the types of horror that he's chosen to create as a director. But this movie has given me hope. Uh, this now is my favorite thing that Eli Roth has ever done. And the fact that it is kind of set up to be, you know, they're going to make it a franchise uh, one way or the other. And we'll get into, once we get into some spoiler territory, I'll get into how they could do it. They could do it right and they could do it horribly wrong. And it kind of ties into Scream, which we'll, we'll talk about that once we get into the, like I said, the spoiler section. But if you haven't watched Thanksgiving, definitely watch it. It is a really good movie. If you like slasher movies, if you like the classic slasher movies from the 80s, this is a throwback to that, like I said, while still having some modern sensibilities. And a little bit of humor with, without being like slapsticky humor without being goofy, stupid humor. There is a little bit of camp to this, but it's not overly campy. And the, the kills are brutal. There is some gore in this. There are some creative kills that we'll get into once we talk some spoilers. But it, it's just a lot of fun. There's a great mystery about this. And I've seen people... Uh, talking about this movie saying, oh, they figured it out from the beginning. I'm calling bullshit right now because they set up so many red herrings as to it could be this guy, could be that guy, could be this person, could be that person. And you never knew until you got to the very end. I, I think like a lot of people, like I did, you thought, okay, this person could be it. This could, person could be the killer. That person could be the killer. You know, there was like three, four, maybe even f as many as five people you thought, okay, they could be the killer. And then once they reveal, well, uh, he was on my list, so I, I knew it all along. He was the killer. Uh, or she. Uh, don't want to spoil anything, but... Uh, <laughs> But I think anyone that says they figured it out right away is is fucking lying through their teeth. I like to consider myself pretty pretty sharp on figuring out who killers are, and I was never 100% sure until we got to the very end. There was a scene where, and I might talk about it in the spoiler section, I might not get into that much detail on it, but there was a scene, I'm like, oh, that's a little fishy, and then things started clicking into place. Uh, but but until that point, I think anybody that tells you they figured it out right away is fucking lying. Now, if I've just called you a liar, uh, don't get your panties in a twist and don't get your feelings hurt. I just don't believe anyone that says they figured this out right away, like legitimately figured it out. So I encourage everyone, go check it out. If you haven't watched Thanksgiving, you need to see this movie. If you love horror, if you love slashers, if you like a good story and a, a good movie, I, I don't think this is a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's not reinventing slasher movies, but it is taking slasher movies into a, a better direction than we've got over the past, well, since Scream. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there. I'm not a big Scream fan. And I think Scream has been a detriment to slasher movies over the past, you know, two and a half decades. And I think this movie kind of writes the ship a little bit and makes slasher movies not so much a punchline in the horror world like they've been because you've got Ghostface, some teenage pencil neck geek in a black 
cloak and mask flipping and flopping and falling over the, all over the fucking place. So go check Thanksgiving out and then come back and listen to my thoughts on it. If you have watched it or you don't care one way or the other, we're going to get into some spoiler territory and really talk about uh, how good this movie was. A lot of things that I liked and, and some things I didn't like. Uh, we're going to get into some spoiler territory and talk about all that. But go watch the movie, come back, hear my thoughts on it. From here on out, though, we are going to get in to some spoiler territory. So one of the things I absolutely loved about this movie was the first, I don't know, maybe like 20 minutes of the film. I wasn't timing it or anything, but that first Black Friday scene that we get at the beginning of this film, which technically takes place on Thanksgiving Day, because as they so succinctly put it, Black Friday starts on Thursday anymore. And that scene at the the Walmart knockoff store, uh, Right Mart, is just so tension-driven. It feels that whole 20 minutes, or, or however long this scene lasts, feels like a powder keg just waiting to blow. And you're watching the fuse it's getting as it's getting closer and closer. And the tension that they build with this scene is just phenomenal. It is a great way to start this movie, even though it plays into the rest of the movie, but the horror you see in this section of the movie really feels like a, a modern day horror. It feels like real horror because you've seen videos of people just going fucking nuts at stores, fighting over things and trampling each other and and being the worst version of humanity that humanity uh, has to show. Especially at a time of year where, you know, it's Thanksgiving. We should be talking about what we're thankful for and, and giving thanks for all the blessings we've had. We're leading into the Christmas holiday, uh, a time of peace, joy, and love. And these two holidays just bring out the worst in people. Now, I know that this probably feels like a caricature of what Black Friday is. Because like where I live in little, you know, podunk corner of Northwest Pennsylvania, I, it's not that bad here. And it's easy to say, oh, that's just in the movies. They're just making that up. But, but if you've watched any videos online, I mean, this shit happens. It doesn't happen everywhere. But it happens places, and it is the worst that humanity has to offer. And I think this first section of the movie, this first 20 minutes, this opening of the movie, really encapsulates all the worst of humanity and all the worst of, of Black Friday and the commercialism and the greed and the just not giving a shit about your fellow man. And it all felt like a powder keg ready to blow. You were tense the whole time. I, I mean, I was sitting back in my seat, but I just I felt like on edge. After the whole thing was over and, and all the destruction has happened, you finally just got to relax for a second. It was like, oh my God, that, that really had me wound up. And, and it, it really was good. And we got a couple kills in that scene. And not some of the best kills, but they were still very disturbing. Like I said, this first portion of the movie really felt like real life horror. You had the security guard trampled. You had the guy who slid his jugular on a piece of broken glass when they broke down the door. You had Gina Gershon who is hit in the head by a shopping cart and then the her hair gets caught in the wheel and, and some you know lady kind of pushing and, and pushes off and it pulls part of her scalp off. It was it was brutal and it was like I said very true to life. It wasn't slasher. You know, slasher horror, even if it's not ridiculous, even if it is a little more true to life and less glamorous and glorified and parody, even at slasher horror's most real version of itself, doesn't really feel real because it is some guy in a mask who's stalking people. And like I said, that's the stuff of movies. But something like this, this may not happen in every town, but it happens in a lot of towns. And like I said, the, the realness of it uh, just felt so disturbing to watch. But that really sets up this whole scenario of this movie where you have this shopping center, they have this riot, people die. We see a couple families 
uh, Gina Gershon's family and her husband, Mitch, is the manager to this. He has to work because the owner, played by Rick Hoffman, his new wife, talked him into opening early on Thanksgiving to make more money. Kind of plays into the greed and the rich stay home in their uh, their nice mansions, eating nice meals, and the, the little people have to work. But you have this event on a Thanksgiving and we flash forward to one year later and then all of these killings start happening to people who were involved in that riot at the Wright Mart. And mainly our main character, Jessica Wright, played by Nell Verloc, her and her group of friends, and some other stragglers who were, were a part of the, the events that happened at this, this riot one year prior. And right away, I'll, I'll talk about some of these characters real quick. There's an interesting group of friends. There is a love triangle that uh, that causes some red herrings. Of course, you have, like I said, uh, Jessica Wright played by Nell Verloc. I thought she did a really good job with this role. I'm not terribly familiar with her. I'm not terribly familiar with a lot of these uh, young actors who, who play these teenagers. A lot of them didn't look like teenagers, but hey, that's how we did it in the, well, they did it in the 90s like that. They did it in uh, the 80s. Find yourself a 20, 30-year-old and uh, put a Letterman jacket on him and Bob's your uncle there. You got a teenager. But she did a really good job. There's Bobby who Actually, his namesake was in the original trailer, but uh, played by Jalen Thomas Brooks. Did a really good job, I I thought. Milo Mannheim plays Ryan. These two are really set up as huge red herrings. Uh, Of course, Jessica is dating Bobby at first, but Ryan likes her after the events of the riot. And Bobby breaks his arm and can no longer play baseball. He leaves and she gets into a relationship with Ryan. Once Bobby comes back, there's a lot of tension there. And and they really set up the Bobby and the Ryan character as two huge red herrings. I thought through most of this movie that one of these two was the John Carver killer. You also had Addison Rae, who's actually a TikTok star. She got a role in this playing Gabby. Uh, didn't do a bad job. I'm not I'm not huge on TikTok stars. I don't know how I feel about people getting famous for doing stupid shit and dancing and and what have you on TikTok or I I don't know what she does on TikTok. So she might put out amazing content. I don't know. I have a really hard time with internet superstars. Like I see so many like reels on Instagram or what have you where it's somebody else's content. It's somebody else's video. But down in the lower corner, I see a picture of somebody just making faces it's supposed to be a reaction video, but there's no reaction. It's some jackass who's making faces while somebody else's content is entertaining you. I'm like, you're not contributing anything to society. You're stealing somebody else's content and fucking looking like a, a horse's ass calling that a reaction video. Comment on it. Say something. Have an opinion. Jesus, you didn't realize this whole episode was just going to be me bitching about Scream and bitching about TikTok stars. I, I'm sorry. I I should have put that in the in the title of the episode. But but anyway, Addison Ray plays Gabby. She does actually a good job. Not a great job because none of these none of these teenage characters, they're they're not fully fleshed out characters. Uh they're not fully realized characters. They're fairly just there to to be fodder for the for the killer i don't know if that was on purpose just for them to not like be stereotypes but a lot of them weren't terribly interesting and i didn't really care very much about them uh tomaso sanelli plays uh evan he's another one i I wanted to like his character more but he acted like you know the character acted like an ass uh so I, i didn't care about him gabriel davenport plays uh scuba who again another character i wanted to like more than i did but i just couldn't uh there's a yulia played by jenna warren again another character that just didn't feel like she had a personality she was just there the only teens that you really get any any time with of substance is the jessica bobby and the ryan character and even with the bobby and the ryan character you get just enough to know that they're still there but not enough to really dig into their characters because they are like i said a part of the the many red herrings as to you're supposed to think, oh, this guy could be the, Bobby could be the killer. Oh, no, no, Ryan. I think Ryan could be the killer. So I think that was probably a shortcoming of this movie. One of the the few shortcomings of this movie is that the characters just 
weren't terribly engaging for the most part. You had some other characters beyond the teens that were actually quite interesting and, you know, very talented actors playing these roles, which, which probably helped a lot. Like the Sheriff Newland, played by Patrick Dempsey. He did a fantastic job. Rick Hoffman, who plays Thomas Wright, the owner of Wright Mart, uh, he does a really good job. What little he is in the film, I mean, he has a few scenes. We don't get to delve too terribly much into his character because his character is a kind of one-note rich business owner. But they don't really play him like a villain, though, which which I was really happy. You know, he didn't. You know, he had the big bushy mustache, but he wasn't twirling it at any point in this movie. So I kind of liked that aspect to, of his character, Gina Gershon. What little you got of her in this movie, because I said she's killed almost right away as a, a Amanda Collins, great actress. Uh, Ty Olson, who plays Mitch Collins, Amanda's husband, uh, does a really good job. Although you don't get much of him in it, uh, he is set up as a red herring you're supposed to think he could be the john carver killer but if you look at the frame of whoever is playing john carver it can't be him he's got too thick or too stocky of a frame now i do know that eli roth has said that they actually had various people playing the john carver character that way you couldn't look and you couldn't see like a movement of the head you couldn't see i mean it was it was everyone seemed to be fairly the same body shape and frame so that's why you knew it wasn't the mitch collins character but they had different people play the john carver character on different days uh, because you know they're all masked up and in a suit but uh, he didn't want anyone to see or notice a particular movement of the body or a gesture or like i said a turn of a head that would give away who the killer was just by looking at body language which i thought was really interesting and like i said they, they did a really good job at developing this mystery of who is the killer who is killing all these people that were involved with this right march massacre this this riot that ended up killing people and it was actually quite engaging like i said they had a lot of red herrings and i didn't fully know i figured it could have been bobby i figured it could have been ryan those were my two chief suspects like at one point early i thought maybe mitch there was a point where i thought maybe uh, sheriff newland the the patrick dempsey character i thought he could have been it Part of me thought it could have been one of the girls in Jessica's group, but they were all too short, so I I didn't think that was viable. There was even the one guy, and I I can't remember his name in the movie. Uh, I I don't even see him on my list of the cast. Uh, McGarrity or something like that. He was the guy that was having the party, the older like you know 20 something guy that's having a party and uh, buying alcohol or or trying to sell firearms to kids but he even seemed like he could have been the John Carver killer at one point until he gives that ring to Jessica that she ends up using to cut herself out of the bindings in that quasi climax scene and then I realized okay it's probably not him and plus he had that sweet scene where he's got he's having this party and you know you have to buy tickets to get in and it's all these underage kids and these like middle schoolers come up and I can't remember the context but he's talking about Black Sabbath and how when Ozzy left Black Sabbath, you know, that could have been the end of Black Sabbath, but they brought in the the evil elf Ronnie James Dio and it took Black Sabbath to places they never, you know, thought they could go before. And the, and the one kid's like, who's Black Sabbath? And he's yelling at them to get the fuck out of here. Uh, such a brilliant scene. I, I laughed out loud. Me and, uh, me and another person that was sitting close to me, probably somebody closer to my age, uh, we, we both got that. Some of the younger audience members didn't quite understand that, I don't think. But uh, that was quite funny. And, and you know, with, with that sort of character development, how could he be the bad guy? That That's my philosophy there. But a, a lot of red herrings that were set up, uh, which, you know, like I said, made it hard to... To truly pinpoint, I mean, I myself had three, maybe four suspects. Two of them I thought were real strong contenders to being the bad guy, but I could never really put my finger on it. That's why I say anybody that said they figured it out from the beginning is full of shit because you could have 
been like me and be like, oh, I think that guy and that guy and that person, that person could be the killer. But it's real easy to say, oh, I figured it out when you had three or four different suspects that you thought could be the bad guy. And then when they revealed at the end, oh, I knew it all along. I find anyone that says that they figured this out from the beginning is full of shit because they did a really good job at trying to put out those red herrings to do some misdirect by having different actors in the suit in the mask playing John Carver to lead you off the scent and and I thought Eli Roth did a really good job with that the other thing I thought was really cool and and we'll get to my thoughts on who the killer actually was a little bit later once we get towards the end of it but another thing I really liked was all of the tie-ins to the original Grindhouse trailer i thought they did a really good job of making reference to a lot of those scenes and playing yeah i guess if you can pay homage to yourself uh they did that but uh, there was no scene with grandma cooking dinner at the beginning like there was in the the grindhouse trailer you didn't really get that there was no car bj scene there was also no follow-up to that scene where we get uh, bobby's namesake being beheaded just like the guy that's the girl in there what was her name judy uh is given the bj to he got beheaded so you didn't have either one of those scenes but you did have the parade you did have the turkey being beheaded at the parade now in the the trailer for grindhouse it is the John Carver killer or the the guy dressed up as a pilgrim. They really didn't do the John Carver thing. Uh, it was just a guy in a hat and you don't really see his face because of the wide brim of the, the pilgrim's hat. But he beheads the turkey in the parade and the trailer uh, for Grindhouse. Now in this, it is the John Carver killer dressed up as a clown. That I thought was a little awkward. I thought you could have had him just being himself, being a, a guy dressed up as a pilgrim in a John Carver mask. Because as they established really early in this, John Carver, this is all set in Plymouth, Massachusetts. I probably should have mentioned that earlier, but if you watched it, you already fucking know. Uh, but they established early that everybody is wearing these John Carver masks. And, you know, that's why it's going to be so hard to find who the killer is because everyone's dressed up like this in Plymouth, Massachusetts at Thanksgiving. So I didn't think it was out of the realm of possibility that you could have had him dressed, the John Carver killer dressed up as John Carver and go and behead a turkey in this parade because everyone would have been wearing shit like that. You didn't have to have him dressing up as dressing up as a clown and a creepy clown at that. It was like the new version of it. If I saw clowns like that, in my parades as a kid growing up, I would have never gone to a parade again. But I liked how they they did that from the original Grindhouse trailer. I also like the trampoline scene. Now, the trampoline scene is plays a little bit different in this. The boyfriend that gets killed in, in the movie, it's Lonnie, gets his head twisted all the way around. That was actually quite gruesome. And we'll talk about the kills, some of my favorite and least favorite kills uh, a little bit later. But in this scene, you didn't get any boobs. Even though this is a pretty hard R, it is not because of nudity or anything like that. It is completely violence and gore. But you didn't get any boobs, but you did get that scene. It was done a little different. It's played a little for comedy in the Grindhouse trailer where, you know, the this cheerleader's bouncing on the trampoline. She goes up doing a splits and comes down on a knife in her uh, sensitive parts. Uh, they didn't do that, but they did do the knife coming through the trampoline and her falling. And every time she bounces on the trampoline, she's she's stabbed with this knife. It was actually quite gruesome. And then one of the centerpieces, no pun intended, for this Grindhouse trailer is this Thanksgiving scene where all this family is tied up at the table and you see instead of a turkey on the table, it is a roasted person on the table. And they do that uh, brilliantly, uh, even with the father figure puking. Of course, you had uh, Rick Hoffman puking into the, the gag that he has on him. And it was it was gross. Uh, puke. And my wife and I have a policy. You puke, I puke. Uh, it goes both ways. And I, I, don't, I don't do well with puke. Puke and poop. I really have some bugaboos about seeing those in real life, foreign film. Uh, but it was quite cool to see 
like I said, the homage to himself that Eli Roth did with that. Now I kind of talked about some of the some of the kills, and that's I think one of the things I thought was really good about this movie is that it had some really interesting kills, even the less inventive kills were still pretty good. I mean, the the kills that you got in the Right March riot on, on Thanksgiving slash Black Friday, the security guard that's trampled, the customer that cuts their jugular with a glass, Gina Gershon getting hit in the head. Those were not amazing, brilliant, uh, inventive kills, but they were still, there was something about each one of those that was interesting. But when you compare those to the other kills that we got, Oh, wow. They were just, uh, even the parade one with the turkey getting beheaded. It was gruesome, but it was tame by comparison when you talk about some of these other kills, uh, like the security guard that ran away, uh, him getting the electric uh, carving knife into his gut, and then the John Carver killer doing this thing with like almost like a piano wire style garrote and cutting his head off was disturbing. Lonnie getting his neck twisted and the, uh, the girl Amy on the trampoline with a knife coming through was quite gross. Uh, there again, we saw variations of those kills in the trailer, so uh, they weren't high on my list as far as favorites go. Evan at that Thanksgiving dinner table scene where everyone's tied up, which is a, a reference to the, the original Grindhouse trailer. Him getting his head bashed in with a meat tenderizer was gruesome. The, the sound design on it was just uh, horrific and disgusting and gross uh that that whole scene had a lot of really good kills or a really good like shock gross horror because you had kathleen the stepmom to jessica uh being roasted alive and and that whole scene was really quite interesting because you start out with her being knocked out and seeing the john carver killer preparing her to be roasted and and you have a little bit of a cat and mouse her getting almost getting away and then getting the pitchfork in the back and then being shoved in this oven you get glimpses of that in the the actual trailer for this movie but it doesn't come close to how gruesome and gnarly it is when you're in the oven with her and it starts to heat up and she starts to sizzle and it, it was actually really quite disturbing i mean it, it put the horror in a horror movie now you would think the turkey being beheaded at the parade would be Probably one of the most uh, gross things there, but actually the one thing I like, which was an addition from the original trailer from Grindhouse, is they had this float with the Wright family on this float and the guy driving it and it's got the Mayflower on it and there's a guy driving the truck pulling this float and things happen uh, after the, the turkey's beheaded and just kind of pandemonium and like the bow of this ship has like a, a big long wooden... I don't know what you call it. I'm not a not into nautical things, but a, a big long piece of wood that drives through the back of the truck and right through the back of this guy's head. It was disgusting. There's blood squirting on these little girls. It was horrific. And it was uh, definitely gross. Yulia getting those little handles you stab into the ends of ears of corn so you can, you know, get your hands all messy and burnt from hot corn. Uh, getting those stabbed in her ears and then falling or, or being thrust down on this table saw. And just her innards getting all cut open and falling out was gross. <laughs> and it was, again, uh, a moment where I'm like, I'm watching it and I'm all tensed up because it's just like... You know, one of those there before the grace of God go I. Anytime I use a piece of power equipment, there is always that nightmare scenario in my head of something going horrifically wrong. And, and I don't want that. And I didn't want that for poor Yulia. But it reminded me watching that scene because in the trailer, you have a line of dialogue. It must be an ADR line because I never saw it in the movie. Or it may be from a scene that was cut out where they talk about how this John Carver killer is using all these implements of Thanksgiving to kill its victims. A meat tenderizer, uh, the little corn stabbers. You didn't get that line in the movie. So it makes me wonder if it was just a, an ADR line just thrown in for the trailer or if it's from a scene that we didn't actually get. I believe it might have been Patrick Dempsey doing the voiceover for that. But for me, my favorite and the, the grossest of all of the kills in this movie was the the woman Lizzie. Uh, she works at the diner. She was the one. It was her cart that nails 
uh, Gina Gershon's character, Amanda, right in the head and kills her. And it's her cart that that pulls off the, the bit of her hair. And she is the first one that gets killed. And hers was a dis- disgusting. Uh, and, and one of the more inventive kills, I think, in this whole movie, where the John Carver killer plunges her into water in the sink and then opens up a freezer door and... and throws her up against it those moments where this she's trying to pull away but her skin's frozen to the freezer metal freezer door and and part of her skin on her face and her hands are pulling off it was quite traumatic and then when she's trying to get into the dumpster to get away from him as he's speeding at her with her own car and hitting the dumpster and the lid falling down and cutting her in half was just gross i know they used some cg to make the guts and stuff falling out. Uh, I didn't mind it. It was... Uh, they, they used CG in this sparingly. They used a lot of practical. And I didn't mind... The CG actually worked in this case. Uh, using CG guts and entrails. Because it was so quick. But so disturbing and gruesome at the same time. It was best kill of the movie. And like I said, being the first real kill of our, our slasher. It really set the stakes. And set the... Uh, the tone of what this was going to be, how gross and how gruesome a movie this was going to be. And like I said, I you know this movie used a lot of practical effects, a lot of practical uh, special effects makeup and, and real guts. And even after that scene when the killer hangs her, her disemboweled lower portion up on top of the right mark sign, you, you get practical guts and things uh, you know falling out of her. Uh, they did a really good job with a lot of the practical effects and the the practical makeup that I think is necessary for any horror movie. You can't rely solely on CG in, in horror movies because CG will never look as real as real blood or real guts in a movie like this. And I really applaud Eli Roth for, like I said, being sparing with the CG, but really relying heavily on the practical effects, which they did a fantastic job with in this movie. And I thought the reveal of who the John Carver killer really was. Now, if you you don't want to know, I've tried not to to say too much, but even, even if you don't give a shit about spoilers and you haven't watched this movie and you still don't want to know who did it, I'm giving you one last chance because we are going to talk about who the killer is uh, right now. So you've been warned. But uh, I, I love the reveal that it was Patrick Dempsey's character. I did not see it coming because while it was always a possibility and I always had it in the back of my mind, well, he could be, he kind of has the right build for it. I just didn't think it was him. I thought it was Bobby. I thought it was Ryan, the two love interests with Jessica. But then the way they did the reveal, you found Jessica just out of nowhere sees Patrick Dempsey's character, uh, Sheriff Newland, uh, laying on the ground. And you never saw how he got there. And like, well, that's that's kind of fishy. Uh, we didn't see it. So it didn't happen the way it's looking like it happened. And it turns out it kind of did, but it really made me think, oh shit, I think he's the guy. And then when she realizes that the guy that chased her through all these little pricker bushes, you know, he's got the same ones on the bottom of his pants as she has picking off her jeans and the, the slow realization that he is in fact the killer, I, I thought it was a really good reveal. And I thought they did a really good job building the mystery around who this John Carver killer is, building the red herrings, and then the reveal of who he actually was. And then then it all sorts of, sort of makes sense. It wasn't one of those where you get the reveal of who the bad guy is, but you're like, how was I ever supposed to know that? And even with this, they do a couple like flashbacks of things that Sheriff Newland had said prior that start to make sense and you're like oh that's what he meant there was a a little bit of a double meaning in what he said earlier in the film that it all makes sense now so i, I really enjoyed the reveal of of patrick dempsey as the the john carver character and the reasoning behind it now this was something you would have never known in the beginning of the movie it is set up 
that he is friends with both the Wright family and the Collins family. We see a scene where he's coming to dinner with the Collins, Amanda Collins and Mitch Collins. We see that he is very friendly with Amanda Collins, but you don't really understand their relationship. I wasn't sure if maybe they weren't brother and sister or related or, or old friends or something like that, but it is revealed that they were in a romantic relationship and that she was pregnant with his child and when the events of this this mall riot or this this shopping center riot happened and she died it just it didn't just kill her it killed their unborn baby and that is why he has gone on this killing spree because Jessica and her friends sneaking into the store and gloating are that they were in there when everybody else was out behind the barricades is what caused the whole riot to begin with it really was a brilliant reveal and and one that I really enjoyed I, I've watched a lot of horror movies and thrillers and and movies in general where there's supposed to be this big mystery but it's so obvious who the bad guy is at the beginning that it's just there's no mystery to it at all and i thought in spite of what some people might say about how they figured it out right away uh, they did a really good job with building the mystery keeping the mystery hidden and giving you a lot of red herrings to throw you off the scent of who the real killer was and the one thing i did see coming a mile away because i know I know Eli Roth is already talking about ideas for Thanksgiving too when they have Jessica essentially using helium or or whatever to to blow up the inflatable Thanksgiving parade turkey to blow up the John Carver killer, a.k.a. Sheriff Newland, Patrick Dempsey's character. Uh, They reveal at the end that... It was only ash. They didn't find anything, but there's no way someone could have survived that explosion. And I'm like, okay, there's no body. He's coming back, which may have even been foreshadowed because there's one scene where he's roasting the Kathleen character and he sets his mask down on top of the stove and and part of the mask gets a little melted, a little charred, and he puts it on for, for a good stretch of the rest of that scene. And you have to imagine... When he comes back, he is going to be scarred and burned, much like Dr. Loomis after the events of Halloween 2 when he came back in Halloween 4. But like that, I loved the Carrie mid credit scene where Jessica and Ryan are in bed and she hears a noise. The door opens in a closet. She goes to check and everything's okay and she turns around to walk out. And a flaming Patrick Dempsey jumps out and grabs her. And then she wakes up and it's all a dream. It, it very much was like the the ending of Carrie, which is one of those brilliant jump scares. And that's, that's another thing I really liked about this. This movie relied on a lot of jump scares. And I'm not a fan of jump scares where it is just a big loud noise and a jump cut. And I'm just startled more than anything. This movie... Eli Roth did a wonderful job of creating jump scares that felt in the moment. They felt in the horror of the moment. It wasn't necessarily a quick jump cut, but somebody moving into frame very quickly and and doing whatever bad guy things that they do or something happening very suddenly. And there were there were a good handful of jump scares and I don't remember any of them being bad. They were all quite good. They were all quality jump scares, which made me happy because I, I it's not that I don't like jump scares. The head coming out in Jaws when they're underwater with that boat is a jump scare, but it's a jump scare that's done very well. I hate modern jump scares where, like I said, it's a jump cut and a loud musical sting or a loud sound effect, and you're startled more than anything. You're not scared. It's not scary. It's just startling, and startling me is is cheap horror. That's a cheap gag, whereas if you can make me jump because of the horror and the action on the screen, that's a jump scare. And Eli Roth did a wonderful job with that. Which leads us to where this might go in the future. Uh, There is a PS scene, before we get to that, there is a PS scene, which is really just an outtake of Rick Hoffman and Nelverlock uh, saying goodbye. And Rick Hoffman's just kind of staring off. And then he looks at the camera and flips the camera off. Uh, I was like, I stayed for this. But then it was was quite funny. So uh, there is a PS scene. But where are we going to go with a Thanksgiving 2? Because this really is set up to be a franchise. And I'm really excited because uh, now we've finally got a Thanksgiving horror film that 
I know that's what Eli Roth set out to do is make a Thanksgiving horror classic. And I think he's done just that. Uh, I think he's done that. Like John Carpenter made a Halloween classic in Halloween, like Bob Clark did with Black Christmas. And, and so many that have come uh, since those two movies. I think he's made a, a wonderful holiday horror classic for a holiday that really doesn't get a lot of uh, good horror. If anybody fucking says thanks killing, uh, I'll, I'll flip my shit. That is a horrible movie, and the sequels are even worse than the original movie. You know, have a little more respect for yourself and respect for the genre. <laughs> Don't watch thanks killing. Watch Thanksgiving. Uh, it's it's a better quality horror film. It is horror. It's not schlock. But where are they going to go? I, I like the fact that they did not kill off Patrick Dempsey's character. Because this character can come back. And I've heard uh, some people suggest that, oh, well, John Carver Killer, he's wearing a mask. So it could be like Ghostface and anybody could be behind the mask. F- fucking stop that. I, I don't want that. I-, I That's what I hated about Ghostface. And I know that some people have a problem with the supernatural elements of things like Michael Myers in Halloween, Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th, Freddy and Chucky are inherently supernatural, Pinhead is inherently supernatural, but I I know a lot of horror fans that don't like how they seemingly made Jason and especially Michael Myers just a regular guy and and then gave them supernatural properties as the the franchise went on. I know some people don't like that. And that's not necessarily what I want with this, but the thing about those slashers is that there is only one Michael Myers. There is only one Jason Voorhees. There is only one Chucky, only one Pinhead, only one Leatherface. I I didn't like at all the idea that well anybody can be Ghostface and it's usually just some some pencil neck geek uh, dressing up in a mask and a big shawl and flipping and flopping around and falling all over the furniture and waving his arms like he's a wacky waver at a fucking car dealership sale. I don't want that for this serial killer. I want this serial killer to be legit. And you can only make this serial killer legit if there is just one iteration of him, not a, oh, we're just going to put the mask on somebody else who has a grudge. That's fucking Scream. And, and I don't want that. I didn't want that with the original Scream. And I'm only okay with it now with the last two iterations of Scream. But I don't want that again. I don't want to rehash that aspect of 90s horror and early 2000s horror that I just don't like. So please, for the love of God, don't do that, Eli Roth. Make this character a character. I'm not saying you have to go into supernatural realms to to make this character keep surviving. Maybe this is a character that has a finite shelf life. Or maybe you get a trilogy out of this character before the character's actually killed off. And you know, kind of like what they were originally planning on doing with the Jamie Lloyd character in Halloween 4 and, and 5, where you know the mantle of this killer was going to be passed on to her maybe maybe that somehow happens and you do get another version of john carver but then that character can go on for you know a few movies It's, it's not somebody different every fucking time but i would feel better about it if it was just patrick dempsey if he was the John Carver killer. But that remains to be seen. Uh, I'm really happy with what Eli Roth did with this movie. So I I have every faith that he is going to do a sequel right. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, You know, like I said, Thanksgiving hasn't really had very many, if any, good entries into horror like the other holidays have. And I'm really excited now that we've got a really good Thanksgiving horror film that I would gladly watch year after year or every other year, something like that. And a movie I'm really interested in seeing where it goes next with a sequel because they did a good job with this. Eli Roth directed this very well. Uh, The screenplay was from Jeff Rendell. Of course, he and Eli Roth are friends from way back and they're the ones that came up with the Grindhouse uh, trailer for Thanksgiving. 
Uh, Jeff Rendell wrote the script for this and did a really good job. I love some of the references. Uh, the stove that the ladies cooked in, I believe it was, is a Rendell brand stove. Uh, so there's a lot of little Easter eggs like that throughout the movie that are, are kind of fun to watch. But but he did a, a really good job with this script. Like I said, not a perfect script. This isn't a perfect movie, but it's really good. It, it adds... All the things that I really enjoy about slasher films from the 80s. It was really scary at moments. It had a lot of good and interesting kills, creative kills. It had a good amount of gore. It had characters that maybe I didn't like, but I found myself rooting for them even still and, and caring about at least the, the core characters. It had a twist that you don't often get in some of those old slasher films. So I like the mystery and the, the reveal of, of this twist as who's the bad guy really is. I thought that was interesting. There was uh, enough camp and enough humor in it to make it enjoyable and break some of that tension that they built so often and so rapidly with this movie. But even still, even still with those little moments of humor, which like I said, weren't weren't horrible humor. It wasn't like set up joke punchline type of humor. It was very much within the moments and the dialogue between the characters, which I, I enjoyed that there. Like I said, a little bit of camp, but for the most part, this movie was a masterclass in building tension. And a lot of these scenes, from that first scene at the right mart to, to the very end scene, it was uh, just a lot of tension-driven horror. Now, it did go on a little bit long. Uh, this movie is about an hour and 46, 47 minutes. Uh, this could have had some time shaved off of it because especially in the third act, the climax of this drug out a little bit because you had the scene at the Thanksgiving table with everyone tied up around it, the live people and the dead bodies. And then, of course, you had to go a chase scene through the woods and then another climax at this warehouse uh, it, it drug out a little bit long in that third act. But other than that, tension galore, atmosphere galore, and horror galore with Thanksgiving. A, a new Thanksgiving tradition in our household, uh, even though my wife might watch it. She, I almost had her convinced to go watch it with me, but she ended up not. She had to go uh, take her mother shopping. So... <laughs> So she didn't watch it, but I think one day I'll get her to watch this, and 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 maybe this will become the uh, Thanksgiving tradition that the whole family can enjoy, and not just me every Thanksgiving. So I want to thank everyone for, speaking of being thankful, I want to thank everyone for listening to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, not just this episode on Thanksgiving, but thanks for listening to us all year long. I mean, we've still got uh, a lot of time left in 2023 to talk horror, fantasy, and science fiction, but one of the things I'm most thankful for is the fact that uh, so many of you have stuck with me. Uh, any of you that moved from the old platform to the new platform, there aren't many of you because we lost a lot of listeners uh, and a lot of plays in that move from uh, podcast.com to Podbean. And for those of you that found the uh, podcast afterwards and have stuck with it and listened to us religiously and, and share. We certainly appreciate you taking the time to listen to what I have to say about uh, movies and TV and music and, and books and, and all that sort of stuff. Thank you for, for your support. That is probably one of the things I'm most thankful for uh, this Thanksgiving. Now, we're not going to have a Thursday show because it is Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, I don't want you to feel you got to listen to me. Uh, go enjoy uh, a wonderful day with family and friends and if you if you don't uh, have anyone to hang out with, uh, feel free to, to listen to some of our old episodes. We're pushing three years worth of content, so uh, you can hang out with me on Thanksgiving with some of our old episodes. Uh, there's certainly a, a ton to listen to. So I want to thank everyone for listening. And as always, please check us out on our social media pages, Facebook and Instagram for everything that's going on with horror, fantasy, and science fiction and the podcast. Please leave a review, five stars. would be awesome. Follow us, like us, subscribe to us wherever you're listening to this podcast at. And as always, please share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Help us get those numbers back up in uh, you know, the end of 2023 and on into 2024. So, so happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And until next time. 
Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!